Amen. Thank you for that song. Joyful because Jesus gives us joy. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to be flipping around tonight. Matthew 1 and verse 18. So I asked the kids in chapel last week. This was the younger kids, the elementary chapel. They said, what is your favorite holiday? And you all know, 98% of them said Christ Christian. Christmas. Let's get it out now, right? Christmas. Why? Well, why do they like Christmas? Well, because they get presents, right? And I thought to myself, people love Christmas because of the presents. And they love getting stuff. And they, you know, some people, like myself, not to pat myself on the back, but I love giving presents. I love finding that perfect present that someone didn't know they were getting and it, it lights up their face. And hopefully my wife feels that way Christmas morning because this is my first Chris, Christmas as a husband. Hopefully I do a great job. But I remember like thinking, buying presents for my family, whether it was from one of my brothers, just knowing what they want, and you get them that present, and they love it, and it's just like, wow, that was, you know, I did a good job, and they love it, and it's great, and it brings joy to your heart, but have you ever received the perfect gift? I mean, think to yourself, you know, man, I just, I remember that gift, and every time I say that, I think to myself, um, you know, what, what was the perfect gift I've ever gotten? Now, sadly enough, the first thing that comes to my mind is this bike ramp that I got when I was a kid. I used it twice, and I never used it again, but uh, man, I loved it. It was the biggest gift I got, ever got. It was like the most expensive gift I ever got. It was like a skateboard ramp, and it had like two ramps on each side, but I remember that. I don't know why I thought that was a perfect gift, but it, to me, it was. You know, it made you feel great. You loved it, but you know, how many people did you tell about it? Well, you probably told everyone, you know, you know all the kids, and you know, they'll tell everybody about it, and you know, I'm a, a teacher, and the teachers here will know, you know, after Christmas break, you'll hear all about the different gifts that the kids got. But we as Christians receive a gift, and that's what we're going to learn about and learn about. This is what, sorry, I said teacher. I turned into a teacher. That, that's what I'm going to be preaching about to you tonight is the gifts of God. Now think about earthly gifts are temporary. You know, think about it. What did you get for Christmas five years ago? Say, so, well, Anthony, I don't remember what I ate for dinner. I don't remember that long. I'm with you. But think about it, you probably don't remember, or maybe you remember a little bit, but why? Because it's either sat on the shelf, or it either, you know, you threw it out, or you lost it. So the earthly gifts are temporary, but you know, you can't give somebody the perfect gift. I remember sometimes, like at one point, my parents would just buy themselves their own gifts because whatever someone got, it wasn't right, and, I, and then we as a family, when we got older and out of the house, it's like, all right, here's your gift card. Thank you for my gift card. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, what do I even get people? So the perfect gift. Well, I'm here to tell you that God has given you the perfect gift, and we're going to learn about that tonight. We need to focus and use the heavenly gifts that God gives us. So the first gift, right into the message, the first gift that God has given us is the gift of a Savior. Let's, well, I didn't even read the text yet. Matthew chapter 1. In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto, unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach. God, I'm truly privileged and grateful every time you give me the opportunity to preach your word. And God, I pray that that's what everyone here would hear tonight, God, that they would hear a message from you, God, that they wouldn't hear me, that you would hide me. And God, I know there's a lot of different things in this sanctuary right now that different believers are dealing with. God, I'm not ignorant. I know that there are struggles, and sometimes the holidays brings about tears instead of joy, God, and I understand that from a personal standpoint that, you know, some different things, God, just maybe not be as joyful, whether it's certain people that have passed on, God, or maybe it's just a struggle in the family, or maybe just a loss of income from the corona, God, or maybe it's just a health situation. God, I know that there's some things in here that people may be dealing with this holiday season, I pray this Christmas season, and I pray that you'd help them with that. But God, I pray specifically that they would be able to put that aside right now and just hear from you. God, not that I'm special or I'm anything, but God, I know that that you've given me this message, God, and it may be just for them. And God, I pray you'd speak to their heart. God, I pray you'd speak to every one of the hearts here. I pray you'd help me, God, and I know this blessing, this message was a blessing to me. God, even writing some of the notes down, just getting convicted. And God, I pray you'd convict those that need to be convicted and encourage those, God, here that need to be encouraged tonight. And God, I pray you'd bless this message. I pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the Bible. And that, as Pastor said today, that we can just read it and read it and read it and always get something new. And God, I pray you'd help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So it says in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and it talks about the gift that Jesus Christ is, how Jesus Christ came to this earth, and you know, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and we know the story, and, and I don't want us to just immediately you know, shut it off, all right, I've heard this before, you know, it's the gift of Christmas, it sounds great because we get gifts, and Jesus is a gift, but there's a very specific gift that we're going to learn about tonight, but we can't learn about that gift unless we've learned about Jesus Christ himself, and Christ is the greatest gift you will ever receive. You know, I remember I talked about certain earthly gifts, you know, you put them on the shelf and then you throw them out or you, you know, maybe you lose it or whatever it may be, but you can never lose Christ. He's the greatest gift you can ever receive. You'll never, you know, you'll never forget, well, you could forget about Christ, but you know, you'll never outlive Christ or Christ will never, you know, you you never decay and get old, whatever it may be. He's the best gift you'll ever receive. So first I see that he's a necessary gift. Now, I know this is a Sunday night crowd, but, you know, they say in any given room of over 100 people, someone probably is not saved. And that may be you tonight. If the rapture happened right now, would you still be here? You know, that's not something to mess around with. The Bible says that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we see for the first part that the, the gift of Christ, Jesus Christ himself coming into this world to be the gift to us, it's necessary. You'll, you'll never get to heaven any other way. You know, they used to say all roads lead to Rome. Well, not all roads lead to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And that is the reason that Jesus came to this earth, if we forgot about it. 
you know, like I said, you know, all the kids, you know, why is Christmas your favorite? Unfortunately, not one of them said it's my favorite because Jesus came to this world and now I'm saved. Now, I didn't expect that from a five-year-old, but I'm saying, you know, it's the fact is that we like Christmas for the wrong reason sometimes. You know, the reason that we should love Christmas, and I, I found myself getting convicted in my office. If you were to ask me, Anthony, what's the best part about Christmas? I probably would have said peppermint mocha because that's my all-time favorite drink, and it comes around this time of year through Starbucks, and it's wonderful. I had one today. But I'm telling you, if, if somebody were to ask you, why is Christmas your favorite? It's, your reason should be, well, I would have never been saved if Jesus never came to this earth. And that's a fact that we need to know that the gift, that the greatest gift you'll ever give is your salvation. The greatest gift you'll ever get is your salvation. So first, it's necessary. If you'll never get to heaven any other way, a gift will never do you any good if you don't receive it. I put in there like an Amazon package. You know, Amazon's crazy. I mean, it's 930. They're like, we're here. Two days, prime. I remember I was putting lights up yesterday. The Amazon came by, put the package on the floor. I was like thinking nobody really delivers like Amazon. Do. Now, this isn't, I'm not getting paid for this. But I'm saying it's true. Like, you order anything prime and it's there. It's crazy. But, you know, it doesn't do me any good if I don't receive it. Think about a, a package at the door. Maybe I ordered a Christmas present, and uh, that person is never going to get that Christmas present if I, for one, don't receive the package and sign it. Now, the package that was there on Sunday wasn't for me, so I, you know, I brought it in. But if, if I took that package and I hit it, that person would have never got it. So it's very simple, and we need to remember it. But, you know, salvation doesn't do us any good if we don't accept it, if we don't receive it. It says, the gift of God how do I lose that verse? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Yeah, I mean, you can't get saved if you don't get saved. I mean, that's almost so simple it sounds silly, but you have to accept Jesus Christ. I've heard people say, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, the Bible does say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But it also says that the devils believe. So you have to be able to accept Jesus Christ. And you say, Anthony, this is Sunday night. You're preaching to the choir, so to speak. But the reality is, you may have been in church your whole life and never been saved. You may have known God your whole life and never been saved. I remember I was 13 when I got saved. Everybody thought I was already saved. I, not to put anybody on the spot, but I remember Pastor Juana was there at the Harvest Rally. He was my youth pastor at the time. He's like, Anthony, did you get saved? I was like, yeah, I did. I guess I wasn't saved before. But I remember that day, and it was you know, clear as day. The guy was preaching on the rapture, and he's like, if it were to happen right now, will you still be here? And I was like, man, I think I would be. You know, I, in my head, I knew it, and my mom used to, she said to me when I got saved, I went home, and I told her, and she was so happy, and she hugged me, and she was crying. She said, Anthony, it was in your head, but now it's in your heart. And it's so true that you can go to church your whole life and have so much Bible in your head, but if Jesus never gets into your heart, if you never receive him, as your Savior, God's gift doesn't do you any good. It's like taking that package and throwing it right in the dumpster. God's gift doesn't do you any good if you don't receive it. So you must receive it. It's a necessary gift. How do you get saved? I'm sure most of you could probably tell me, but I use this uh, simple ABC. is admit that you're a sinner. You'll never get found if you never get lost. You have to, get sa- you have to realize that without, without God, I can't go to heaven. You have to realize because of my sin, I have earned or the wages, the penalty for my sin is hell. And, and the penalty for my sin is separation from God. So admit it. Know that you're a sinner and then believe on God is A, B, C, and then C is to confess. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. Realize that he is the only payment for your sin. And if you're here today, if you're listening on live stream, maybe one of your friends shared it and you've never heard the gospel before, you know, that's the simple reason that Jesus came to this earth to save sinners. 
So it's a necessary gift, but not only that, it's an eternal gift. And I talked about earthly gifts, how they're going to decay. Well, God's gift will never go away. You'll always be saved. Earthly gifts are forgotten about or thrown away, but salvation is eternal. John 10, 28 says you know, that he gives us eternal life, and no man shall pluck us out of his hand. I've heard some people say, well, you can lose your salvation. You can, you can, you know, you can jump out of God's hand yourself. I don't know about you, but I think God's a little bit more powerful than that. No one ever is going to lose their salvation. It's the free will that you get to choose. I want to be saved, and the Bible says that we're eternally secure. So it's the best gift you'll ever got because you'll never lose it. A lot of times if you get a brand new gift, I don't want to say this because I might get myself in trouble, but uh, my wonderful wife bought me these really awesome AirPods, and I only have one of them because I lost the other one. That doesn't do me any good because I lost it. Now, usually she finds it under the bed, but, I mean, I, just, I could not find it. Or it's in one of my suits, and I wash it. it. Like I said, I could get myself drunk, but I only have one of them. They still work. It's great. The one works. But it doesn't do me any good if I lost it. Well, you'll never lose your salvation. God will always keep you eternally secure. And that's why Christ is the greatest gift you'll ever get because you'll never lose it. So it's a necessary gift. It's an eternal gift. It's a shareable gift. Some gifts can be shared with others. I thought about this. In Christmas time, you know those wonderful packages with like the sausage and the cheese? Oh, I love those. Sometimes I buy them for myself just to eat them. But you know, those are great. You know, you get the big tub of popcorn. That didn't last with four brothers. That was one night, one movie. That popcorn's gone. Or, what, you know, whatever it may be. There are gifts that you can share. Well, you know, talking about getting a gift. If you love a gift so much, you, you would tell somebody about it. Hey, did you hear about, you know, whether you're a... Uh, you know, hear about the teens in the school. If one of them gets a PS5 or the new Xbox, you know, you'll hear about it. If they love a gift enough, you'll hear about it. Well, how much do you love your salvation? Who have you told about your salvation? Because you just could not get over the fact that God saved a sinner like you. If you love a gift enough, you'll tell somebody about it. It's shareable. Not like you can take your salvation and give it to somebody else, but it's shareable the fact that you can tell somebody about it. You can give that gift of salvation, you can tell somebody else about it, and they too can get saved. Don't ever get over your salvation. Don't ever stop thanking God for your salvation. I thought about the verses we went over tonight in Galatians, how, how people were once in bondage, and they were in bondage to sin, and then God saved them from that bondage of sin and now they're, you know, they're walking in the right direction, and Christ saved them, and they're on the, the path, and, and then they go back. You know, that's somebody who got over their salvation. That's somebody who said, you know what, this is great. You know, I, I, I'm free from my bondage. You know, we talk about the songs that, you know, they break the chains of sin, and, and, and you're on fire for God, and you're going the right way, and you're like checking your rear view mirror. It's like, oh, I remember that sin. And then you turn around and you go back to it. That's somebody who got over their salvation. Don't ever get over your salvation. Don't ever get over the fact that God literally came to this earth. Jesus humbled himself, came to this earth to die for you so you can have victory. He died for us so we can go to heaven, yes, but he also died for us so we can have victory over sin. And never forget that. And that's the gift that God has given you this year. And then lastly, it's a loving gift. So it's a necessary gift. It's an eternal gift. It's a shareable gift, and it's a loving gift. God sent his son out of love. And I know Tom preached a great message on that, talking about the love of God. And it's true that, you know, God really sent his son for one reason. That's because he loved us. Now, there's no other reason that drove God to send Jesus. I mean, it's perfect. He was perfect trinity in the heaven. Nothing's wrong. But the only thing that was wrong was us as humans, and we needed a Savior. And God loved us enough to send Jesus for us. Don't ever forget that. Now, that's the first gift. Now, I remember I talked about a second gift, but that's the first gift. 
The first gift is Jesus, and Jesus is the Savior of the world, and we know that, and like I said, this is the, the Sunday night crowd, and we can hold to that, and we love that, but the second gift is the one that we forget about. The second gift is the one that we, we maybe don't hear as much about as we do the first gift, and the second gift is the gift of the Spirit. Jesus Christ himself gave this gift to believers. Look in John chapter 14 and verse 26. John chapter 14 in verse 26. John chapter 14 and verse 26 says, But the Comforter, uh, let's go to 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Praise the Lord for that. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus gave his parting gifts to his disciples, and that gift was the gift of the Spirit. The gift is given to every believer that puts their trust in Christ. So you hear a lot about Jesus, and you should, because obviously we need Jesus to get saved, and without Jesus there's no other way to get to heaven. But we have to focus on this gift of the Spirit. Now, we're going to get to the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's a little different than what I'm talking about. But the fact that Jesus himself and God and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, we have now the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And we're going to, uh, the verse, we're not going to turn there. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Holy Spirit dwelleth in you. So when you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, we talked about, you know, the gift of salvation, the gift of Christ. And when you got saved, the Holy Spirit literally indwells you. You, you are the temple of God. In the Old Testament, the, the, the God would come down and meet with them in the temple. But now the Bible says, literally, we are the temple of God and God meets with us personally. And that's a great gift. That's a great thing that we should never get over is the fact that God indwells us. You know, I said it before that, you know, uh, Harold Vaughn says, revival is just waking up to who lives inside of you. Knowing without a doubt that God himself indwells you and works and guides and directs you throughout your whole life. It is the most important gift besides salvation that a believer will ever receive. It is the most vital, now I believe this, it is the most vital part to living a godly life is following the Holy Spirit. Leading, following the Holy Spirit's leading your life. We need to be Spirit-led people. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. So now there's going to be some terminology, and I want to explain it, that there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which I've just said, that when you get saved, you get indwelt. But also there's the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6, I believe, talking about the deacons, and they said Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost, and of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times Paul will be led of the Spirit or filled with the Spirit to go to a certain town or a certain city. Or We'll see without, throughout the whole book of Acts that they were full of the Holy Ghost. So that's different than indwelling. We're gonna learn, we're gonna, I'm going to explain that indwelling is when you get saved. But So when you get saved, you have all the Holy Spirit you will ever need. But does he have all of you? And that's where the filling comes in, is the fact that you get rid of self, you get rid of your flesh and what you want to do, and you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, and he'll guide and direct you. I remember Pastor Nick actually used to explain it to us in youth group that it's like a glove. If the glove is full, you can't put your hand in it. But if the glove is empty, you can, you know, you can obviously put your hand in it. Now, if it's half full, you can only go about halfway. And it's the same thing with our life. 
You say, God, I'm going to give you half of my life today. Well, that's all he'll ever fill. You say, God, you, know, you can have this little piece of my life today and my time, but the rest of it is mine. Well, that's all he'll fill. But if you give God your whole life and you give him all of you, well, then he'll fill all of you. And the Holy Spirit will fill all of you and your life will be, forever be changed. You'll have that Christian life that you have always wanted if you get rid of yourself and you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. And that's the gift that I'm going to be talking about is the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to be spirit-led people. I find in my own life when something happens or when I have a terrible attitude, uh, my wife will tell you I, I, I either wake up really happy or I wake up really grumpy. There's really no middle ground. And I, and I know in my heart it's whether I'm spirit-led or I, I'm in the flesh. If I need to you know, pray a little bit more or if I can just get right up and go on with my day, it really is all about being spirit-led. And you know, everything we do is either following the flesh or following the Spirit. And the reality is, no matter what you do, you're either going to fill yourself with the Spirit, or you're going to quench the Spirit. You're going to follow after the flesh. It talks about, I'm going to butcher it, but I heard somebody say, you know, there's, there's two people that dwell inside of me. One is evil and one is blessed. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it. But what it pretty much is the one that you feed is what is going to win. The one that you feed, they talked about that your flesh and your spirit, think of them as two dogs, right? I don't want to be too sacrilegious here, but if you had two dogs and you fed one and you starved the other and they fought, who wins? Well, obviously the one that you fed. So if you're constantly feeding your flesh all day with what you look at, with what you hear, who you're talking to, and then a temptation comes, you're like, oh, I can't believe I fell into that temptation. Well, no doubt you've been feeding the flesh all day you're going to fall into temptation. Oh, I can't believe I snapped at that person. Well, you've been feeding the flesh all day. You're not really going to be in the spirit having a good reaction. Or whether, you know, maybe you woke up and you read your Bible and you prayed and you met with God like you should every day, and then that situation comes up, and now you're ready for it because you're filled with the spirit. And that is the Christian life. And I remember I got a glimpse of this when, when I was a teenager, and, and God really opened my eyes to, Anthony, this is the Christian life. It's the spirit-led life. The Bible calls it walking in the Spirit. Uh, well, uh, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit each and every day. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit. You know, nobody told you this morning how to walk. They didn't say, all right, put your right foot and bend to the knee and put your left foot. I remember when I, um, I don't remember, it was on vacation. And I got stitches in my knee. It was like 19 stitches. I ran into a boat or something on some, one of these little kids, those little tykes that the kids have, the big wheels. And I was 13, and I wasn't supposed to be riding, but I was going down the hill, and I ran into the boat, and the boat, you know, probably shouldn't have been there and whatnot. And we're on vacation. Now I've got 19 stitches in my knee. And I remember, actually, I knew without a doubt I needed stitches, so I ran in the bathroom, and I hid. It didn't really hurt that bad. I don't know why, but maybe I was just in shock. But I remember looking at it. I mean, it was probably an inch deep. It was terrible. And I knew without a doubt I just ruined my vacation. I needed stitches. I wasn't going to go fishing the rest of the time, whatever it was. Why am I saying that? Oh, so after that happened, I had to learn how to walk. I don't know why, but for every reason, the doctor said you have to keep your leg straight because it was right at the knee. He said, every time you bend your knee, you'll open the cut up again. I was like, oh, great. So I would sit on the couch like this. I'd walk like this. And then when he's like, all right, you can get your stitches taken out. I was like, oh, great. He's like, okay, so try. Now, 
It's a good thing I don't remember his name because I'd be pretty upset. But he was like, oh, yeah, try to walk. You can try running. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm playing in the gym, and it just starts bleeding. I was like, oh, great. Here I go again. And so I went back to the hospital, and they're like, oh, well, we can't restitch it. It's already been stitched. So they had to just, like, bandage it back together. And then they said I had to go back to keeping my leg straight all day. And then when I finally was done, my cut healed. I moved it a little bit. It didn't bleed. I remember going down the stairs, and I was like, I don't really know how to do this. Because, I mean, for months, I just, it was, I still do it to this day. I do one foot, and then one foot. I, was, I could not, for the life of me, remember how to go down with two feet. Because I've been going down with one foot this whole time. And the, way, the reason I say all of that is because when God says walk in the Spirit, he shouldn't have to tell you how to walk. You, it should be your daily life. A Christian life should just be, all right, do what God says walk in the Spirit, okay, that's going to fulfill my flesh. I'm not going to do that. It shouldn't be a battle, oh, should I watch that? Should I do this? If it doesn't fulfill the Spirit, if it goes against the Spirit, you shouldn't do it. Just like in walking, you shouldn't have to tell yourself how to walk like I had to, but just like you know, in walking in the Spirit, you shouldn't have to tell yourself, okay, well, do I really have to do this? Do I really have to go to church? Do I really have to read my Bible each and every day? No, that should just be second nature. You should just be walking. Just walking in the Spirit, knowing what you're supposed to do and doing it. So walking in the Spirit. And the Bible says in that second half of that verse, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say may not. And I love that because, you know, sometimes we think, oh, this sin is too much. I can't ever beat this sin or I can never say no to sin. No, the Bible says walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will. God is so much more powerful than the devil. God is so much more powerful than your flesh. And if you resist him, he will flee from you. He has to on the authority of the Bible. So follow God, walk in the Spirit. God lives inside of you. What a gift. What a gift. What a fact that the Holy Spirit indwells you each and every day. When you got saved, you got all the Holy Ghost that you'll ever need. But does he have all of you? So this gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's... let's that was all introduction to that. The gift of the Holy Ghost. First, he comforts us in verse, one, uh, verse uh, 26 in John 14. But the comforter, very clear. It's literally his name. He comforts us. He helps us through life, and he's the one who indwells us. He knows everything about us, and he helps us through those hard times. But second, he teaches us. The Bible talks about how the, the world can't understand things because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit, so he'll show us different things that he won't show them. I know in, in Bible class we're learning a lot about apologetics and, and talking about, they call them the Steves. All the smart scientists, they call them Steve because there, there was an actual survey where all the scientists named Steve took a survey and they all said, or like 90% of them said that they believed creation over evolution. So from that point forward, our book called The, the Smart Scientist Steve. And they said, how could all the Steves and how smart they are, how could they be wrong? Well, I just thought of this verse. Well, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they may not understand things that are about God. And I remember one question on the test was, you know, if people are so smart, which they are, how are they ignorant of spiritual things? And the reality is, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's just some things you won't understand. And that's why the first gift is the one that we, it's a necessary gift, is that we have to get saved. And then the Holy Spirit indwells us, and then we, he starts to teach us. The Bible literally says in uh, verse 26, then we send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance. Now, I'm sure the kids at school would really hope that verse meant that they could never study. And then the Holy Spirit will just bring things to their remembrance. 
But that's not what that means. But it's talking about the Holy Spirit will help you remember things that you're supposed to remember. And I know there's times in my life when, I, when, I, when I'm stuck and I was like, all right, Lord, I don't know what to do here. And God will remind me of a verse that I read that morning. Or, I mean, literally, I take that verse literally and I'll pray before I go to bed. God, help me to remember to read this passage. Or God, help me to remember to pray in the morning. Because there's times when you get up and you, it's Monday morning, I know, tomorrow's Monday, and you got a lot going on, and the first thing on your, on your mind is probably not, all right, I, I need to pray, I need to read, I need to get with God before I start my day. No, the first thing is probably, you know, okay, I got this test, or, you know, I've got this presentation I got to do, or, oh, I, we have these orders that got to go out, whatever it may be, your mind just starts racing. So I, before I go to bed, I said, God, I pray that you'd help me just to be in the mode of wanting to read and pray in the morning, and it, and it works each and every time. Or even I'll say, God, wake me up when you want me to wake up. You know, we set an alarm, and half the time we just hit snooze 30 times. I'm, I'm the one, I promise. I'll set an alarm for 5 so I can snooze 3 times and wake up at 5.30. Or, or 5.45, it doesn't matter, as long as I can hit that snooze button. It doesn't do anything for you. You're not going back into deep sleep. and It really doesn't help you rest at all, but, it, you know, it, it feels good. But the Holy Spirit will help you remember things. Spiritual problems can be solved by following the Spirit. And I believe that wholeheartedly. If there's a spiritual problem in your life, the Holy Spirit can, follow, can solve it. Whatever it may be, whether it's a sin that you struggle with or whether it's an attitude problem or, or whatever you know, God puts on your heart that He wants you to fix, the Holy Spirit can help you fix that. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you remember things you're supposed to remember. The Holy Spirit will help you memorize Scripture. Now, I talked about things that were convicting. This is one that God really convicted me. Memorizing God's word will help tremendously in being filled with the Spirit. You know, when you're tempted, Jesus gave us the example, when you're tempted to what? Well, to quote Scripture. Quote scripture. Every time Jesus got tempted, he quoted Scripture. And God always tells me every time, Anthony, you can't quote Why can't I say that? You can't quote Scripture if you don't memorize it. And I think of all the times I give my Bible class memory verses, and then I'm, I forget who it was, but someone said, all right, Pastor Anthony, you have to memorize that one. And right away I was like, I'm not the teacher. And then God's like, well, what a terrible example that you don't want to memorize Scripture. So I took the quiz, and I got 100, and I memorized it. But from that point forward, I was like, all right, I'm just going to start memorizing the verses. Well, for one, it's a lot easier to grade because it's already memorized, and I just grade it. But, you know, it helps me to memorize Scripture. And memorizing Scripture is vitally important. And I think to myself, all the things that we have memorized, whether they're sports stats or different specs on a car's engine or what fishing poles you can buy. Uh, what? <laughs> Who said that? Not me. What different, you know, whatever it may be, makeup. I don't know what people memorize. But we all know that we can memorize different things. And we memorize things that we love. So do we love our Bible? Do we memorize Scripture? And I think of a lot of people that I know that I could just quote full Psalms and quote full sections of the Bible you know, that could be any one of us. We, you know, God has given us a brain to use for his glory, and we need to memorize scripture. It'll help you. You walk each and every day, and God will bring scripture to memory. But, okay, well, that situation, here's a verse for that. And that's, and, you know, sometimes in my life I'll think, oh, I wish, you know, I kind of know the verse, but I don't. You know, those are the type of verses that God says, all right, go and memorize that verse, because that's how we'll be filled with the Spirit. So he brings things to remembrance. He'll help you memorize Scripture. You know, God is probably way more apt to help you memorize Scripture than to, you know, memorize something else that you, you don't really need in life. So he brings to remembrance, and then uh, fourthly, he guides and directs our lives. So let's turn to Acts chapter 9. 
Acts chapter 9. I preached this last week to the teens and youth group, talking about Paul's conversion and how God changed his life. In Acts chapter 9, God, the Holy Spirit, guide and directs our lives. Acts chapter 9, and in verse, uh, we'll start reading in verse 3. It says, As he journeyed and he came near to Damascus, he suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told what thou shalt do. So just a quick, I don't want to, you know, go too far off track, but, you know, God changed Paul's life. So Paul was literally on the road to go persecute Christians, to go find more Christians to put in jail. He had a, he had a sign thing from the, the Sanhedrin and from the council that, that he was allowed to do that, and the priest told him, yeah, go ahead, go, go find more of those Christians, and you can put them in jail, and we're, we're okay with that. And then God met with him on that day. God showed him, you know, he called out his name, and I went through it. You know, God knows your name. No matter where you are or what you're doing, God knows your name. You may be lost and in the worst sin possible, God knows who you are. We see that Saul here, you know, he was literally persecuting the church of God, and God still called him by name. God had a plan for Saul, and we see that Saul is fighting against God. He, he, he's not doing what God wants, obviously, and, and we see here that God met with him, and he immediately said, God, what will you have me to do? And that right there is a picture of what we should be as Christians. A picture of what the spirit-filled life should be is, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I love preaching that to the teens because a lot of them may not, you know, they don't know, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? Oh, I don't know. Well, well, you need to get to a, a place where you say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And we as adults, you know, we need to be at the same spot. Whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. And it's an everyday thing. We talk about walking in the Spirit. It's not, it's not just the lifelong things. It's the everyday things. What do you want me to do? And then Paul, in, in Acts chapter 9, he gets, he, he gets sent. He gets, you know, he gets blinded and didn't eat and, and didn't drink for three days. And he goes to Ananias. And this is where I want to talk. Ananias must have been one of the most Spirit-filled people around. Because for one, he's the only person God chose to go talk to Saul, the persecutor. I, I mean, if somebody in Iraq was a well-known uh, terrorist who's killing Christians, and God called on you, all right, I want you to go. I want you to go witness to him. He's been praying a lot. You know, your first instinct would be like, not happening. That's crazy. I mean, I've heard about him. He literally said, he said, Saul. I, I've heard about Saul. Or what? Why are you telling me to go to Saul? He's literally persecuting Christians and putting them in jail. But he knew if God told him to do something, he was going to do it. And that's how we need to be as spirit-filled Christians. If God tells us to do something, we need to do it. Say, oh, well, that might interrupt my schedule. doesn't matter. God told you to do it, you need to do it. It's like, oh, well, I might be really tired at the end of the day. doesn't matter. If God told you to do it, you need to do it. I, I, I think in my own life, if God tells me to get up early and read my Bible, I need to get up earlier. Say, okay, well, whatever God tells you to do, you need to do it. And Ananias said, and Ananias went, and he, he did what God told him to do. And by the Lord said unto him, this is the Lord talking to Saul, he said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before kings and, and, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for not my name's sake. And in verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, 
He went from a persecutor to brother Saul because someone followed the Lord. And the Lord, even Jesus, appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest and hast sent me. And right here it says that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. It only takes one person filled with the Holy Ghost to impact somebody else so they can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Who in your life does God want you to impact to be filled with the Holy Ghost? You know, you know they say that a bad attitude is contagious. Well, so is a good attitude. So is living for God. When somebody gets on fire for God, fire spreads. You know, fire is a, it's a consuming thing. I think of, I always have a candle on my desk. The two things that help me work the most are candles and coffee. It's just great. Wonderful, relaxing. But sometimes, you know, you'll watch the wick and it'll burn. Or I love a fireplace. I wish I had a fireplace. And, you know, the fire just consumes everything around it. And sometimes when you get that wood-burning stove and it's so hot that you can literally just throw a, f- a log in there and it just immediately lights on fire. That's how our lives should be. We should be so on fire for God, as soon as somebody gives us a little a fuel, a little bit of Bible, we just, we just eat it up. And we should always want to spread it to other people. Fire should spread. You should be a person who's so fill, filled with the Spirit that it just spreads to other people. We can all think of people in our life that we know are Spirit-filled people. That no matter what, in that conversation, they're probably going to bring up the Lord. You know, and, and if the Lord is on your mind enough, you'll bring Him up more. It's the fact that we're so Spirit-led that we just... We're doing what God wants us to do. How many times in a conversation have you said no to God? And I think in my own life, thinking maybe talking to somebody you don't know, maybe it's the gas man or the drive-through person, and God says, hey, you know, say God loves them and give them a track. And you're like, I don't want to do that. They might think I'm weird. Or, you know, they might look at me different. That's us saying no to God and not being spirit-led. Spirit-led people follow God no matter what he says to do. So he guides and he directs our lives. Ananias was filled with the Spirit, and he changed somebody's life because of it. Christians can do impossible things for God when they are filled with the Spirit. And I know I, I, I preach on this a lot, talking about doing great things for God, doing impossible things for God. But did you know Christians can do small things for God, having the right attitude when they are filled with the Spirit? You know, every single day we're going to face small things that we can do for God, whether it's just reacting the right way and having the right attitude, or whether it's just, you know, picking up a piece of trash that you see on the floor to keep the church cleaner, or maybe, you know, you see a neighbor struggling, like they got like 13 cases of water, and you know, you go over there and help them. Whatever it may be, there are just small things that you can do to change somebody's day that just a spirit-led person will do. Whatever it may be in your life, God will show you different things that he'll ask you to do, and we just need to be, you know, just right away, just do it. I think of when I was in college, you know, the, the person in charge, Brother Charlie, when he asked you to do something, you would just do it. Now, there may have been like a teacher, and they say, oh, go do this, and you're like, uh, maybe I'll do it later. But, you know, if you know, think it would be like the president walking into you know, a, a group of soldiers and him telling them to do something. They would just do it. That's how it needs to be in our life when God asks us to do something. We don't ask questions. We don't reason it away. We don't, you know, oh, well, why me, God? I don't want to do that. We just do it. And that's the spirit-led life is when we just do what God wants us to do. And that's what Ananias did, and it changed Paul's life. So follow God's plan. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it talks about, you know, how God has a plan for us and how his plans are better than our plans. So don't fight or quench the spirit of God. Follow the spirit. So God is for you. So I talked a lot about tonight about following God's plans for your life. Talking a lot about being spirit-led. So if God tells you to do something, you just do it. Just do what he wants you to do. And you always have to remember that God has your best interest in mind. 
No matter how crazy it seems or how, how much you think it's going to hurt you or your, or your plans or your schedule, God is for you. The Bible says in Romans, if God be for us, who can, be, who can stand against us? You know, God always has your best interest in mind, and God is always on your side. So when God tells you to do something, you know without a doubt you should do it. Why? Because God loves you more than anybody. Now, we learned that. We talked about that in the first gift, the gift of you know, Jesus coming into the world. So the Holy Spirit comforts. He teaches. He brings to remembrance. He guides and directs our lives. He aids us in prayer. In Romans 8, it talks about how the, the Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't know what to pray with, with groans that cannot be uttered. And, and it talks about in Ephesians 6 that you know, praying always in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't know what to pray. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit shows us right and wrong. He convicts us of sin. He talks about in Galatians 5, 16, I've read the verse, but in Galatians 5, 17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. So these are contrary, the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that ye would. So there are things in your life that you might want to do that, the, that your flesh is drawn to, but the Spirit of God says you cannot do that anymore. Talked about, you know, going back to the bondage. There's things that your flesh is going to be drawn to. And you're going to be like, you know, why am I drawn to that? That's wicked. That's sinful. Well, yeah, that's your sin nature. And you have to say no to that. You have to say, I'm not following the flesh today. I'm following the spirit. And that's the spirit-filled, the spirit-led life. And we see that in Galatians 5. And it gives us a clear example. You say, well, I don't know. I remember when I was a teenager, that was kind of confusing to me. It's like, well, is this of God or is this not of God? And, well, the Bible gives us a clear example. Here's the fruits of the Spirit, and here's the lust of the flesh. If it goes uh, along with the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long, all of that, well, then that's of God. Well, if it turns into idolatry or hatred or wrath or heresies or strife, you know, whatever that, all the, all the sinful things, well, then it's not of God. So following God and not following after your flesh. So this gift that God has given us, we, we saw first the gift of Christ, the, the gift of God coming to the earth, and then Jesus himself gave us this gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's an all-inclusive gift. You know, you see those ads on TV. Oh, but wait, there's more. And then there's this. And then there's that. And, you know, you get all of it for 4,000 payments of $20, whatever it may be. <clears throat> but God's gift is an all-inclusive gift. I talked about when you get the Holy Spirit, you get all the Holy Spirit you'll ever need. So there's never an excuse to not do what you're supposed to do. There's never an excuse to skip a day of your Bible reading. There's never an excuse to, you know, not do what God tells you to do. Why? Because you've gotten all the Holy Spirit you need. The Bible says... That we have, um, I'm going to mess it up. In Second Peter, in Second Peter, in in verse, I believe it's in the beginning. I'll know it when I see. In Second Peter, it talks about not having an excuse to follow after God. That God has given you all you'll ever need to follow Him. It says, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us. To the glory and virtue. His divine power. What is that? Well, that's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost power, the God power living inside of us is giving us all we need to live godly. So there's never an excuse to say, oh, well, I sinned, but I just felt trapped and I had to. No, God has given you the Holy Spirit so you can say no to sin. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God has given you a gift. Are you using it? Whatever it may be, God has given you a gift and it can better your church, your family, or even your workplace. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, that there's diversity of gifts but one spirit. So everybody may have a different gift, but it's the same Holy Spirit giving you that gift. So in conclusion, God has given us so many gifts and blessings in this life. The two main gifts being salvation through Christ 
and sanctification through the Spirit. So you as a Christian never forget that Jesus, came, Jesus Christ came into this world to save you. And I know that sounds simple, and, and you may hear it every year on Christmas or, or, or surrounding Christmas that, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, I'm here to tell you that he is. The fact is that it doesn't matter if, if you don't get any presents. It doesn't matter if you don't get a, you know, Christmas bonus. It doesn't matter if you don't get all these wonderful things. And, you know, maybe your family can't make it this year because of corona, whatever it may be. You know, all those things are great, but Jesus is the only reason we should be celebrating Christmas. It's the only reason why we should look back and say, wow, I want to set aside a whole day to worship God because he came into this earth to save me. And without Jesus ever coming to this earth, I would have never had salvation. So that is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. And not only that, but Jesus gave us a guide. He gave us a helper. He gave us a comforter through life, and that's the Holy Spirit. So those are the two main gifts that we need to be thankful for as Christians. First, you, you got to receive the gift. And we talked about that. If you're not saved, tonight is the night to get saved. But if you are saved, you have the opportunity to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led, to have a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. If you are saved, you should be led of the Spirit. You know, you can't fake this. Everybody in your life, your family members, they know if you're led of the Spirit. They know when, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be and you're following the flesh and, you know, you're not in a good mood or they know, you know... They used to tell us in Bible college, you're so close together, you know who's reading their Bible and who's not. You know who's doing what they're supposed to be doing and who's not. You can't fake it. People will know if you're spirit-filled. They will know how much you cherish God's gift if you've, or if you've gone over it. You know, the people that you work with, or your family members that aren't saved, should never feel like, oh, well, no, they're not going to uh, talk to me about Jesus this year. Maybe, maybe it's not a big deal anymore. No, every time they see you, they should think of, oh, there's that person that loves Jesus. Or every person on your job site, well, oh, there's that person who goes to church a lot, and there's that person who's spirit-led and does the right things. We should have a good testimony. The gift that you got five years ago, going back to what we talked about, it has no good if you don't use it. It has no good to you if you don't use it. And it's the same, same thing with the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're saved. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But it's your choice to use it. It's your choice to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. Like we said, God will have as much as you as you give him. That is your choice. You're as close to God as you want to be. If you want to be closer to God, we'll give up more of yourself and give more of it to God. A believer that chooses not to be Spirit-led is a backslidden Christian. The best way to tell if you're backslidden is if you no longer feel convicted about sin. And I thought to myself, I, and we're closing I had a student in my Bible class, they talked to, we had an assignment on backsliding, and they said to me, Pastor Anthony, how do I know if I'm backsliding? I said, when you stop moving forward for God. When you stop seeing greater things done in your life, when you, when you start looking back at your life and you say, man, I miss that. I miss the relationship that I used to have with Jesus. That's when you're, you know you're backsliding. When you say, man, I remember when I was on fire for God, that's backsliding. I remember when God used to meet me, I remember I used to open up the Bible and God would just jump off the pages. And he just, that just doesn't happen anymore. Well, I'm telling you, it's not God. God hasn't changed. You're backsliding. And, and sometimes in my life I feel like, okay, well, I'm going through the motions and, and you know, I just get up and I do what I'm supposed to do. And, okay, I read it. Now, okay, let's see what kind of work I need to get done. Well, that's backsliding. If we're not moving forward for God, we're moving backwards. Are you backsliding? Are you not spirit-led? And I feel like the key to not backsliding is just being spirit-led. Because you can't be backsliding if you're following the Holy Spirit each and every step of the way. If you're walking and say, all right, spirit tells me to do this, flesh tells me to do this, 
I'm going this way. Well, you're no longer backsliding. You're now you're in the right direction doing what God wants you to do. If you no longer feel convicted about sin, you're backsliding. If you no longer follow the Spirit, spirit or even care, when's the last time you heard God's voice? When's the last time God spoke to you? Do you even care? How long ago did the Spirit stop leading you? Did you even notice? Do you miss the relationship you used to have with God? And and remember, I said God was convicting me as I wrote it. That's the section. And God said, Anthony, do you even miss what you used to have? You remember in Bible college when you would wake up so early after getting two hours of sleep? You You remember in Bible college when you'd go soul winning eight hours a week? You know, it was only required six, but you and your friends, you would just get together and you'd just go out on Mondays. You know, if you were off, you'd go out on Tuesdays. You know, do I even miss it? Am I backsliding? Are you backsliding? You know, God will change you tonight. God, God will get a hold of your life and say, all right, you know, today is the day to start living a spirit-led life. And it's not a one-time thing. You know, it'd be great if you come down to the altar tonight and say, God, I don't want to backslide anymore. I want to live a spirit-filled life. But that's not going to be the lasting change that you need. That's the start. And if, and if you come tonight and you pray, that's the start. That's the start you need. But you've got to wake up tomorrow and be the same way. You've got to wake up tomorrow and say, all right, God, I'm going to live a spirit-led life. You know, church isn't just a one-time, you know, thing where you come to church, make a decision, and then never remember it. You know, the altar, the, the sacred place of pouring your heart out to God, that should be each and every day. We should realize in our hearts, you know, I'm backsliding and I don't want to do it anymore, and I'm going to start going the right direction. Backslide, uh, being spirit-led is the Christian life. So tonight, do you remember the gift of salvation? Are you cherishing it? Are you using the gift of the Holy Spirit? Allow yourself to be used of God, which is solely based on you following and being led of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been saved, receive the gift of salvation tonight. I mean, we talked about following the Spirit and living, you know, a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-led life, I'm telling you, is the best life you'll ever live. Every situation you come across, you'll have the right outcome, you'll have the right attitude if you're following in the Spirit. But the minute you start backsliding, the minute you start going towards the flesh, is it's like, oh, I can't believe this happened to me. Oh, you know, I'm so tired today, and I know we live in New Jersey, and it's Christmas season, and, you know, you probably go, go, go all day long. But when you start having the right attitude, you start living a spirit-led life is when every outcome, everything is, is positive. Now, not everything in your life will be positive. What I mean is you'll have the joy of the Lord in your heart. So receive the gift of salvation and never get over it. Share it with others. And remember the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit, and all he does for you. Allow God to lead your life. Allow God to allow, allow God to lead and guide you. Allow God to comfort you. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He, he's the director of your life. He, he convicts you of your sin, but he can't, you know, he can't take control of your life if you're holding on to it. You know, it, you know the, the bumper sticker that God is my co-pilot. Well, God should be driving. He shouldn't be sitting next to you. He should be driving. He should be guiding your life. And, I, and it talks about in Proverbs 3 that you know, the Lord, will, you know, he'll direct your paths and he'll, he has a better plan for you. Allow God to direct you and guide your life. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for all you've done for me. God, I pray that you would help me. God, I need it. God, I pray that you would change me in, in the areas that I need to change. God, I pray that you'd help me to be spirit-led. God, I pray that you just help us just to just realize where we're not being spirit-led, God, where, where we're saying no to you in areas we may not have ever realized before.
you just help me with that. As we all stand, I pray, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed as you all stand together. Maybe tonight you just need to thank God for your salvation. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. And, and, and thank for, for these wonderful gifts that He's given you. But maybe there's an area of your life where you're saying, God, I, I, I've been backsliding a little bit. As the, as the piano begins to play, just take a moment, bow your head and pray. And, and ask God, you know, where in my life do I need to start being spirit-led? If you want to pray where you are, if you want to come to the altar, just take a moment and ask God where you need to be spirit-led. And, and thank God for your salvation and never get over it.